You know, when Carolina wins another round of the NCAA tournament, the Angels, they don't even recognize it. When your Panthers get beat against my Saints, heaven doesn't budge, but you let one soul get saved. You let one sinner, you let one sinner come home. Hallelujah. And all heaven will break loose. All heaven will break loose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got something to shout about tonight, don't we? How many of you know you saved in the house? You know you're on your way to heaven. You know you've been sanctified in Holy Ghost field. Hallelujah. We've got a reason. We've got a reason to rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand if you're able for the reading of the word tonight. Amen. I feel such a sweet spirit in this house. Hallelujah. I know that God is going to meet us here. We can leave right now and say we have been with God. Amen. Amen. We have been with the Lord. Such a wonderful church. Again, Brother Gilly, thank you so much. Brother Franklin, thank you so much for the invitation. We appreciate these men of God. We look forward to Monday mornings when I get a chance to re rejoice with you and worship with you. On live stream, I get the chance to be preached to by these fine men of God. And listen to this awesome singing, this music here. What a blessing it is to be back here in Gastonia with you. We want you to come tomorrow night, Tuesday night if you're able, and join us this Wednesday at 7 o'clock each night. We believe God has something great in store. I was on my way home from the last time we preached here in the fall. And I was on my way home, and I sensed the Holy Ghost just telling me something about this church. I just sensed it rolling over. I texted Brother Adrian and told him, I believe God wants to do something great, not only in this church, but I believe he's going to use this church to do something in this community. Come on, hallelujah. Not, not, not just a series of services where we come together when there's a guest speaker, but every Sunday and every Wednesday, I believe God is up to something great. Hallelujah. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of this service tonight. I want to say to those who came from East Longmore, what a pleasure it is to see all of you. So good to see all of our family who have traveled from all across the state to be with us tonight. We love you so very much and so glad that you're here. And we believe God has a word for us. In the book of Mark, chapter number 14, and we're going to read here very familiar scriptures that the Lord has given us. I'll say nothing you've never heard tonight, but I, I, let me tell you this too. I wrestled, I absolutely wrestled with this text tonight. I absolutely fought God over this text because the Spirit of God is moving, and I wouldn't have minded if the Holy Ghost just moved in this place, but I know I have a word from God. I said, I know I have a word from God. Oh, but shut up. I want to do the very best I can to deliver what God has delivered to me. Amen. Book of Mark, chapter 14, verse number 3. If you have it, you can say amen. If you're watching us online, we appreciate your faithfulness to watch and share these videos throughout the week with your family and friends. Book of Mark, chapter 14, verse number 3. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he, Jesus, sat down at meat, and there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, very 
precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some there. There were some there. Some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And look at this. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. I'm going to preach to you tonight for the next few moments if you'll help me. You Will you help me? On this message, God has given us a broken worship. Broken worship. Worship. Just set your hand this way, if you will, and ask the Holy Ghost of God to help us. Our Father, we are so grateful. We are thankful for this privilege, God, you have given each of us tonight to come into your house and worship you. God, we are thankful for the Holy Ghost that has already been actively moving and working in this hour. God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to share this gospel with your people. And we ask you now, Holy Ghost, to reach down and touch us. We come to this pivotal time of the preaching and the hearing of your word. And we ask you now, Spirit of the living God, to speak through your man. I'm just a man, but I'm your man. Oh, Lord, take a burning ember from the altar of God and purify our lips that we may speak as your prophet to your people. And, Lord, when we leave this house, let there be no doubt that we we have been with God. We give you glory in advance for what you're going to do. For it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Hallelujah. It had been a long, hot, dusty day. Jesus and his disciples have stopped by the home of Simon in Bethany for some rest and maybe even the chance for a hot dinner. As Jesus and these disciples enter Simon's home, the house suddenly erupts in a flurry of activity. Preparations were now being made at the presence of Jesus. Jesus has come and stopped by our home and we must serve the master, the good teacher, the Messiah with our very best. The women in Simon's house and some in the community, some close friends were working diligently alongside Martha, the sister of Lazarus, to make sure everything was prepared and everything was just right for dinner. Pots and pans are banging together in the kitchen. Glasses are being poured in the kitchen. Plates are being made in the kitchen. And in the living room, there's laughing, there's planning, there's talking, there's conversation. And suddenly from the kitchen, Martha and the other women notice that everything has gone silent over in the living room. No one's laughing anymore. There's no talking there anymore. The atmosphere has changed. And they start, what is that smell? 
What is that smell? Martha cannot help herself. She quickly washes her hands and, and dries them with a hand towel. She peeks around the corner just to see what's going on in the living room. And there at the feet of Jesus, Martha sees her sister bowing down in his presence. And all eyes in the room are on Mary. And nobody can believe what they are seeing. And no one can believe what is happening. Martha wonders. She says, I wonder what that's smell is and then she looks down at the feet of Jesus and she finds the source of that most beautiful fragrance at the feet of Jesus she sees the alabaster jar and it is broken you hear me the box is shattered in pieces on the floor at Jesus' feet this immensely expensive jar that held this extravagantly expensive oil now lay on the ground broken The oil is running from the head and the feet of Jesus. And Mary cannot contain her joy. She begins to worship the Lord. She lifts up her hands as tears stream down her face. Her tears flow like a river, so much so that she washes the feet of Jesus with those tears and begins to dry them with her hair. And after only a few moments of this worship service, after only just a little while, the murmurs and the whispers start. Peter says, I know that smell. That's pure spikenard. Andrew says, do you know how much that cost? That oil comes all the way from India. It takes over a year just to transport it here. I know, Peter says, that jar was made with the most precious stone that can only be found down in Egypt. That's a year's worth of wages lying there broken on the floor. Judas is over there fuming and he says, what a waste, what a waste. This is ridiculous. We could have easily spent this money somewhere else. Oh, there's so many needs that could have been met. We could have used that for something great. Martha is so embarrassed that her sister's getting all this negative attention. And then the whispers turn into murmuring. And the Bible says in verse 4, And there were some in the room that had indignation within themselves. And they said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold. Come on, it might have been sold and given to the poor. And they, and they, and the crowd, everybody in the house, they murmured against her. Everybody had something to say you hear me Peter had something to say Andrew had something to say Martha sure enough had something to say Simon had something to say Lazarus had something to say everybody had something to say except Jesus except Jesus you see God desires his people to worship him deeply from a deep place, a place without reservations, a place that is costly and valuable, a place of brokenness and contrition. Like Mary, God desires our worship to be broken.
You see, when we think of something that is broken, we instantly tag a negative connotation with it. The thought that something is cracked or fractured is disturbing to us and even troubling because that thing that was whole, that was together, is now broken and it is in pieces. When something is broken, the value of that thing diminishes. When something is broken, it cannot be recovered. When something is broken, it is useless in our sight. Oh, we like things to be strong. We like things to be together. We like things to be secure. We like things to be tough. Broken things are trash. Broken things are good for nothing. However, when it comes to God and worshiping God and serving God and singing unto the Lord, there is nothing God desires more than for you and I to be deeply broken in his presence. In Psalms 34, David is offering a song of praise and worship to God. And in this song of worship, he writes in Psalms 34 and 18, The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such which be of a contrite spirit. That word contrite spirit comes from the Hebrew. It means to be pulverized. It means to be crushed, completely and utterly crushed. When we come to Jesus, he don't want us poking our chest out like we've got all the answers, but he wants our spirits broken broken before the Lord in Psalms 51 David is writing again about worship but this time the tone is much different this time he is writing from a deep place of pain David has endured some affliction and hardship he has committed sin and has brought reproach upon his life so he says in Psalms 51 and 15 he says oh God open thou my lips you know what he's saying God I don't even know how to pray I don't even have the words I don't even have the vernacular I don't even know what to say But, oh, Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. I don't even know how to worship you at a time like this. But he did find this out in the deepest despair of his life. He said, for thou desirest not my sacrifice, else I would give it to you. Lord, you don't want delight not in the burnt offerings, or else I would give it to you. But the sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit. And a contrite, a crushed heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. David, who was one of the greatest examples of a true worshiper of God in the Bible, said repeatedly that the best sacrificial worship that you and I can bring to God is not our money, it is not our talents, it is not our abilities. But the very best worship that you and I can offer God is a worship that comes from a deeply broken and crushed, pulverized heart. You see, I'm afraid that the church has learned how to worship without brokenness. We've learned how to do church without tears. We've learned how to preach without empathy. We've learned how to sing without emotion, not here. But as a result, many of our services have become shallow and dry. Oh, God. 
And it's troubling for me as a pastor to look back on a congregation for more than seven years and see people who can come and sit in the presence of God and not be moved. Oh, God. Oh, God, I feel you now, Holy Ghost. It's troubling for me to preach our heart out and see God moving as he has already and to watch some unfazed by the moving of the Spirit of God. Let me ask a question. How is it possible to even worship God without being broken? David said, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Let me ask you tonight, are you just going through the motions? Let me ask you tonight, are you just waiting for the cues? Are you just waiting for everybody else to stand up before you stand up? Are you waiting for everyone else to clap before you start to clap? You ain't got to say nothing. I know I'm preaching. Are you just waiting for everybody else to say amen before you can get in? Are you waiting for the Pentecostal cues that you have been accustomed to all of your life? Are you become numb to his presence? So when the Holy Ghost starts to move, it no longer affects you like it used to. Has our hearts become hard and cold towards God and his spirit? we no longer feel his presence or have we just become so acclimated to the presence of God that we just don't feel anything anymore have we learned how to suppress our emotions for so long that our hearts are no longer moved by what moves God have we so much pride We refuse to be broken. Are we so proud that we can't even lift up our hands anymore? Are we so tough that we no longer allow the Spirit of God to penetrate our hearts where not even one tear will even fall from our face? Are we so callous now that nothing moves us anymore? Have we become so used to the Holy Ghost that we are numb to His Spirit and His moving? Now I understand that different people worship in different ways. Some are more demonstrative and expressive than others. Some are more emotional than others. Come on, that we don't expect you to preach like me and shout like Brother Adrian. No, 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 not everybody's going to do that. Come on, but there are some folks I have seen in seven years of my church have not shed one tear, have not come to an altar one time, and they're cold. And I'm telling you, I lose sleep over their hearts. And that, my friend, is troubling. That, my friend, is troubling. That young person is something to worry about. Mama, you're raising them teenagers you better get them in an altar they better have a relationship with God oh God how brother Gilly how have some convinced themselves that this is normal behavior for a Christian I'm not saying you have to act like me or anyone else 
But when you and I come before God in worship and prayer, our hearts will be moved. There is a definite, undeniable spiritual connection between brokenness and worship. If your heart no longer breaks in the presence of God, you need to fast and pray until it does. If your heart doesn't break for the lost, you might not even be saved. If your heart doesn't hurt for the hurting, you might be lost. If Come on, if you can hear the story of the cross, if, if you can hear the story of the cross and be unmoved, if you can consider the pain and the shame he suffered for you and I on the cross and not be moved to tears, it might be time to repent. God even told the prophet Zechariah about the brokenness of the hearts of God's people when they considered the cross. He looked through time and he saw how Christians ought to observe the story of the cross. And he said in Zechariah 12 and 10, he said, and I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they, my people, he's talking about us, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and they shall be in bitterness for him as one who is in bitterness for their firstborn. But you know what I have discovered? Nowadays, you can preach on the cross of Calvary, the suffering Savior, and people in the church will just fold their arms and look at you. Like some of you are right now. You can preach on the suffering Savior and the blood that ran from the crown of his head and dripped from his toes. And some people have become so cold and callous that they're no longer moved by the story of the blood. And I don't know why for the life of me. I don't know how. Maybe maybe it's because, I don't know, maybe it's because we've become so desensitized by Hollywood and you and your family like to watch the blood and guts and gore and film. And when you hear the story of Jesus, he ain't nothing but another man dying. I don't know, I don't know. I don't know, maybe it's because we become so sophisticated that something so as elementary as the cross isn't compelling and interesting as it used to be. Maybe because we've become so spiritual now that we need some type of fancy preaching with big words and props on a stage to get us going. Now the preachers feel the weight and the pressure of pulling a rabbit out of the hat every Sunday and every Wednesday just to get an amen out of some of you. I feel the Holy Ghost. You ain't got to help me none. I got the Holy Ghost tonight. But like Paul told the church of Corinth, he said in 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, for I am determined to know anything among you, not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Church, we can't get so advanced with our cameras and our media and our luxuries that we forsake the cross. We can't shut down the
My God, I pray that the cross will always break my heart. I pray that when I take communion, it breaks my heart. I pray that when I hear the old rugged cross, that a tear will still pour down my cheek. It's the cross that saved me. It's the cross that healed me. It's the cross that keeps me. I'm so thankful for the cross of Calvary. Not only have we become hard and callous toward the cross, but so many of us have become so callous toward the word. For some, even the word is not enough to break us. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he had a sensitive heart toward the word of God. He was tender, he was contrite toward the word. And he said there was a time, Jeremiah 23 and 9, he said, my heart, my heart within me is broken because of the prophets. Oh, my bones shake, I'm like drunken man, a man whom wine have overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. Jeremiah's heart was broken by the word of God. He was moved by the holiness of the word of God and by the prophets of God that all his bones shook. He cracked under the prophesied word of God. He was overcome by the preached word of God. He was broken because of the Lord and because of the holiness of his words. You know, there was a time when a simple message from a simple preacher could break the heart of the hardest sinner. A man without much education could read one scripture, preach for 15 minutes, and the hardest sinner's heart would break. And we'll run to an altar shut up of repentance. But we are living in a time like no other. We are living in a time when it has become increasingly more difficult for people to be broken by the word. Tears have become a premium in the church. And a majority of churchgoers have become just like the crowd in Simon's house that day. We have become so accustomed to Jesus that his presence has become casual. We've become so casual with Jesus. He's just one of the boys now. He's my homeboy. He's the man upstairs now. Even though he's moving mightily as we have seen and felt him move tonight, we've become so used to it that his presence is no longer a big deal. You remember when you first got saved? And they could sing anything. They could preach on anything and you were the first one to do a nosedive in the altar. But now if they don't sing my song, 
if my preacher don't preach. We have become so accustomed to the operations and the gifts of the Holy Ghost that they no longer move us and they no longer break us. I'm so afraid we've gotten so used to the power of God moving in this church that we have become desensitized to the Spirit. Oh, God. We just assume that it will always be here. We assume that the gifts and signs will always operate. We assume that when there's a message in tongues that there's going to be an interpretation. And so we take it for granted that the Holy Ghost is speaking it. And while the Holy Ghost is speaking it, we're getting a piece of gum or we're checking our messages on our phone and we're opening a piece of peppermint. While the Holy Ghost is trying to speak and we're waiting on the interpretation, friend, that is borderline sacrilege. You better be careful when the Holy Ghost starts moving. in this place. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Forgive me God. Forgive me God. Adrian, we just assume it'll always be here. You know, but they don't. There are Pentecostal churches that go an entire year without seeing one salvation. And you're just going to roll up in here while the Holy Ghost is falling and the Spirit of God is moving and you're going to roll your eyes when they're singing, the devil is alive. You're just going to roll up in here and sit with your arms folded while the Holy Ghost is trying to speak and he's trying to change and penetrate lives. The devil is a lie. The devil is a lie. God's done too much for me. You hear me? God's done too much for me. Shut up. Come on, some of you are out of practice. Some of you are out of practice. He cut up on Come on. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. Don't you take for granted what God is doing. Don't you take for granted the Holy Ghost in this moment. Don't you take for granted. God is moving right now. God is moving right now. I feel him in this place. I'm here, says the living God. I am moving among you now. With power and grace, I am moving among you. I'm stirring your soul. I'm stoking the fire of your heart that the flames might burn once again. It has been so long. I have missed you, my son. I long to be with you, my daughter. But you have turned against me. Your heart has turned callous. But tonight I'm reaching for you once again. Tonight I am drawing you once again. Heed to my call, says the living God. I desire for you to be broken once again in my presence. Come before me with weeping, says the Lord. Come before me in humility, and I shall exalt you in due time. Come, says the living God. I will restore you this night. I will restore unto you the joy of your salvation. Only heed to my voice, says the living God. Some of you have gotten so used to his presence that you have forgotten who he is. He ain't your homeboy.
fear the Lord. Obey the Lord. A broken and a contrite spirit. I will not despise, says the living God. Come before me with a broken heart. I will mend you back together. I see the burden you're under. I know the calloused heart that you harbor. I know the animosity in your heart. I see it, says the Lord. You can hide nothing from me. But I tell you this night, repent. Come to me. Humble yourself before me. I will restore you. I will lift you up, says the living God.